It's an honor to be here. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the 107th Psalm. Psalm 107. And uh, we're thankful again to be here with y'all. We had a good trip over. And we were real thankful for the opportunity to preach. Uh, we had a special service in October. To give thanks to the Lord for seeing me through all that he did and is continuing to. And it was a wonderful time. And uh, <clears throat> Brother Bourne asked uh, me to come preach and... Oh, good. He asked me to come preach and stay for Thanksgiving, and I told my wife what we we're going to do. She says, "Okay, fine, but you got to tell my mom." So I told her, and uh, the Lord spared me again. So here we are. But uh, we thank the Lord for this church. Your fervent prayers, your uh, continuous help, uh, your financial help during our time of need, and uh, the Bournes coming over and helping, uh, visiting us at the hospital in our home, and uh, you can... I cannot remember how many times that came. My wife can probably tell you, or they can, and I know that Bourne said something specific, and my wife can tell you what it was that cheered her deeply during a, a crucial time. But we thank God for you all, and it's just been a... There's a lot of things going on, so you pray for us. We've, we're, it's a marathon. Uh, it's just a marathon right now, and we're, we're closer to the starting blocks than we are the finish line. Put it that way. And it's life changing. Um, I talked to Brother Larry Lafferty. He's the pastor up in Tennessee, and. So, uh, I can't remember, I thought he said his dad, but he asked me, he goes, how's your back? And I said, well, it's sore. I lost my my scapula, so that gets real sore. But I said, my lower back bothered me. He said, uh, his relative lost just their hand. Just hand. And he said, their lower back is where it started. 
and he said they had back problems all their life. And so you pray, we've got a, it's going to change everything. And, and so, uh, but we know the Lord knows all about that. It's not going to change him. All right, Psalm 107, and we're going to read a verse here and a verse there. My subject tonight is that which is good. That which is good. <clears throat> verse 8. Psalm 107 and verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Then I want to read verse 15. That men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And you'll notice here, there's a lot of things that happen and the writer wrote about in between. But he still says about the goodness of the Lord. And he still says that it was done unto the children of men. Not just the children of Israel but to the children of men. And so, no matter what, God's goodness is being done, and it's being done to the children of men, isn't it? Now, it is an outstanding truth that, first of all, we don't understand goodness. We don't understand. Look over, if you would, in the hundred or the thirty-third Psalm, Psalm number thirty-three, and I want to read here. <clears throat> Psalm number And I wrote down the wrong verse. So we'll skip that one. That's okay. But it's a, uh, it's an outstanding truth, again, that we don't understand goodness. The Bible tells us in the very beginning that when God created man, it says that when he finished, that it was God looked upon his and it said it was very good. But we're also told in Scripture that man was made upright, but he sought out many inventions. Man's corrupted himself. And now we read, the Bible tells us in Psalm 4, verse 3 as well as Romans chapter 10 there is none that doeth good no not one save the Lord 
And so we know it is alone the Lord that doeth good at all times. Now this is hard for us to ponder. Because you and I have such a finite, small, very window of what's good. Oftentimes our concept of what is good is based on our own idea and concept and what we think outcome should be. The other day I had the boys and uh, I believe it was as well watch a video. And it's a former uh, Navy SEAL. And he's watching and he's giving a talk and he says here about our response ought to be, oh, okay, good. And the concept is here that no matter what you go through, you say good. And the idea here is, is that, oh, you didn't get, uh, um, uh, didn't get any equipment that you uh, put in a requisition form for. Good. Oh, you wanted to go on, on this training. You didn't get to go. You didn't get authorized. Okay, good. Oh, you wanted to go on this mission, but you didn't. Okay, good. We got more time to train. Oh, you didn't get this promotion. Okay, good. And he said that there was a guy that came to him, and he came to him, and he said, oh, hey, we didn't get this, or we didn't get this. It was somebody underneath him. He says, I already know what you're going to say. You're going to say good. He had that reputation about him that no matter what happened, he was going to say good. That was how he looked at things. But that's not how children of God look at things. That's how we ought to look at things. And I'll show that to you in scriptures. Look, if you would, over to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. There's a fellow by the name of Joseph. And Joseph was a tremendous individual. Used of the Lord in a mighty way. And the Bible tells us a great deal about him. We follow his life. We're told quite a bit about his family, about his brothers. Here in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15, I want to begin reading. And again, remember, that which is good. Now who is who sits upon the throne of heaven and oversees all things in heaven and that which goes upon in earth. It's the Lord, isn't it? And the Bible tells us that there is nothing that happens outside of the counsel of his own good pleasure. His good pleasure. Now, 
God's ways are higher than ours. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now here in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15, we look here at the close life of Joseph. And the Bible tells us, it says that when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they had done a lot of evil. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father would command before he died saying, so shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went, fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Joseph said unto them, Fear not. For am I in the place of God? That's the first thing Joseph says. It's my place to judge you. He says, I'm not God. And then I want you to notice verse 20. We'll read verse 21 as well. But verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. But I'd like you to observe here, it's verse 20, where we will actually uh, draw some of it about the goodness of God. Now I want to spend just a little bit of time, and I want to look here, and I want you to observe where it says, Joseph stated to his brethren, but as for you, ye thought evil against me. And boy, they did, didn't they? I want you to turn with me over to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And let's just notice some of this evil that they thought against him. We'll just read just a little bit of it. And read here what the Bible says. In Genesis 37, and notice verse 20. And there are some uh, things, and I think that the Bible is pretty clear. Just how evil these were. Genesis 37 and verse 20, it says, Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. So there's one thing. The first thing they said is, let's slay him. That means to kill him. That's the first evil thing. And cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Well, let's look down into verse 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell 
to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for two pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. So they ended up selling him to the Ishmaelites. And you know, kids, you know, when they get after each other, and they're bickering, and I'll, I'll ask you, I'll say, you want to sell your sibling to an Ishmaelite? First time I told him that, we was in Atlanta, Georgia. And you can find some some Ishmaelites in Atlanta. I thought it was kind of interesting. But they were evil. The Bible says they fought evil. Look over, if you would, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, uh, using a concordance, we see here how where other places where this word evil is used. Uh, according to the concordance, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible tells us, and again, just shows us here, we've used this before, and it shows how that in their thoughts, the total depravity that they had toward Joseph, the utter evilness that was there. And again, you say, well, I thought we were studying that which is good. Well, hold on just a minute. Because in order to show that which is good, and how bright it shines, we're showing the contrast, we're contrasting it with the darkness, and you'll see how bright that goodness is. Look here in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, where God, this is here, the flood, and God looks down and upon the earth, and the Bible says in verse 5, and God saw that the wicked man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart is only, and here it is, evil continually. Same word. Imagine that. How about chapter 8? Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. Again, we're just showing things here. And, you know, even after the flood, nothing changed. And something? Even after the flood, God destroyed every living thing. Except for what was in the ark. And it changed, did it? Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. And the Lord saw the sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again the ground anymore for man's sake for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done it's still evil isn't it and then look in Genesis 13 verse 13 Genesis chapter 13, verse 13. Here God 
describe a place by the name of Sodom. And again, we're looking at the word in Genesis 15, verse 20, where the Bible says that Joseph's brethren, their thought, their thoughts about Joseph was evil. And the word that's rendered to us evil, here, God uses the same word, and it's rendered wicked, and he's describing the inhabitants of Sodom. Isn't that amazing? He says here, Genesis 13, 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceeded. So God says that the Sodomites, he says they were wicked, and then he uses the same word to describe the thoughts of Joseph's brethren towards Joseph. How depraved they were. In fact, their thoughts were so bad, that's the same word used when he described the people that he overflowed the earth with water destroyed it saving Noah his wife his three sons and their wives that's how evil their thoughts were Joseph so I want to ask you here have you ever had something evil done to you? I'm sure you have. Have you ever had anyone think evil toward you? Have you ever had any evil thoughts towards somebody? If, you're, if you say no, you're lying. You probably had evil thoughts toward people in the room. I want you to look here in Genesis 50 and verse 20. Again, that which is good. And again, Joseph said concerning his brethren, he said, as for you. And I think that's a phrase in the Bible. As for you. You know, there's some as for you's, isn't there? And there's some as for me, isn't there? There's some, well, I intended for this. And then there's some but gods. I tell you, the but gods are something else. There's one in Ephesians chapter 2, isn't there? And it says here, as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. The evil you thought to kill me and then to sell me to the Ishmaelite and to tell my dad, your dad, that I was dead and slain by a beast, all that evil that you thought and you meant it for evil or you thought evil against me 
God minute under good. Now this word meant, M-E-A-T, I'm told in the Hebrew can also be rendered to weave. To weave. And those of you who sew or knit, crochet, cross-stitch, any of those intricacies of artwork, who have any, any concept of that, that's what the idea is rendered here, but God wove it unto good. My oldest son, and uh, well, really the oldest three, and I'm sure the youngest two will as well, as they continue to grow. But the oldest three are very good at art, and they have their own particular mediums that they use. And Horatio will do some tremendous pencil drawings, and then he insists on coloring them. And then I'll tell him, say, you've got to outline it in black. Look better. you got to outline it in black. It will add detail to it. It'll look so much better once you put the dark lines around it. It'll show the detail on all the things. And that's what God did, was he took the evil, the dark thread, and he wove it into Joseph's life for good. The Lord uses every evil thought of men toward us and weaves them for good into our own lives. I don't know if you've ever seen any weavings done. We had a lady in Kansas some work for and she had a giant loom and, and she had in her uh, 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 a front room in the house that they own and you sit you sit in the loom and, and you weave it right and the artist looks down at the top of it well the Lord is in heaven above us isn't he and you and I are down here on the earth. And you imagine if we look up, what would we see? We'd see the bottom of the great tapestry that he's weaving. And the bottom of it is full of knots. It doesn't look very pretty. And it's got, it just looks, there's a bunch of knots in it. And it, it 
it, I mean, where they change the colors and, and it doesn't look like anything. But if you were to see it on the front side, it's a beautiful picture. And one day we'll see that picture. But right now all we see are the knots. If we would even dare to look up, but we're, we got so much tunnel vision. If we have that at all. But I want you to think about this. The whole time that it was going on, God was weaving it for good. Yet Joseph did not know when he was in the pit, when he was sold to the Ishmaelites, when he was sold to Potiphar in Egypt, when Potiphar's wife accused him of rape, when he was cast into prison, when he was forgotten in the prison, when then he made it to uh, Pharaoh's household. He didn't know all the good that God was weaving. And you don't know all the good that God's weaving either. And this does not excuse our disobedience either. God's sovereignty never excuses our disobedience. Men's evil thoughts never excuse us to disobey the Word of God. I know a lot of people think, well, if God wanted me to do it, then, then he'd, he'd make me do it. Well, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Sounds pretty clear to me. Think of all the evil that's happened. Think of all the evil that is happening. Think of all the evil thoughts against you and I. Think of all the evil thoughts in our own communities, in our own families, in our own state, our own nation, in Washington, D.C., the World Economic Forum. with Soros and, and, and that goes on in Davos, Switzerland. Think about all that that is going on with the, the, uh, 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 the Federal Reserve and the manipulation of all that they're doing with the, our central bank and all the system that there is. And their desire to own everything that there is. They're foolish. They don't know what God's word says. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And everything therein. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The Lord laughs, and he will have them in derision.
Do you know the greatest thing that God ever wove? Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I know that that's not proper English, but it'll work. The goodest thing that God ever wove. We find that men wickedly planned, wickedly purposed, had evil thoughts toward, and the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, it says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. That was the evil that they did against the Christ of God. But God wove it for good, didn't he? Now, just like with Joseph, it was done for what purpose? To save much people alive. And why was it done with Christ? To save much people alive. Every man, woman, boy, or girl who call upon the name of Christ. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. And now what it tells us in Romans chapter 10. It tells us here, the men wickedly planned and crucified and slayed the Lord Jesus, but God had wove it by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And the Bible tells us. Whom, verse 24, whom God hath raised up, having lost the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holy of it. God will plan, counsel, determine, meant for his only begotten son to be on the cross, be buried, rise again the third day according to the scriptures, that those who would repent of their sins and believe on him would be saved from their sins be born again and be delivered see there's a lot of evil There's a lot of evil done, and God weaves it for good. Even persecution. Wasn't persecution by the Saul of Tarsus? Didn't that lead to the further preaching of the Word of God? 
And didn't even Paul, when he was cast into prison, didn't Paul say how he thanked the Lord because it led to others being bold in Christ and there were others who even preached out of envy and others who preached to add into his bonds and he said, I'm just glad or thankful that uh, Christ was preached even more. But this was the goodest thing that God ever told was Christ and Him crucified. Purposed and planned before the foundation of the world to save much people alive. Carried out in time according to that plan and purpose and by the power and providence of God. And He burned people today with the souls of his church his ministers his people to tell them of the gospel the salvation of Jesus Christ when's the last time you've been burdened about a soul of a man woman boy or girl When's the last time you were burdened by the Spirit of God to go and bear witness to that one there? That's why we're here. We're not here to eat, drink, and be merry. That's not why we're here. That's why the world's here. But we're here to do the work of God and to seek out the lost and to heed the warning and leadership of the Spirit of God to go to this one, to go to that one and to warn them to flee from the wrath to come because I'll tell you what, the Lord's coming. The Lord Jesus is coming. And you do not want blood on your hands when he comes. Oh, as we look there, as the Bible tells us in Psalm 107, we turn back there to that text. Psalm 107. Seven and verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We're to praise him for his goodness. Well, God weaves goodness in our everyday lives. We know this. We're not unconscious of these things. Boy, I'll tell you, we crave to see the goodest thing, and that is the salvation of a soul. I've never seen a plant grow where a seed wasn't grown. 
where a seed wasn't watered. And so if we're going to see that transpire, then we're going to have to do the work of the Lord. So we encourage you to carry, keep carrying on in the work of Christ. And that work, the work of the Lord, because I know that y'all have worked. Some of you are retired, some of you are still working. But the work of God, that's the best work, the goodest work there is, is the work of Christ. It has eternal dividends. If you're here and you're without Christ, you need to come to him that you might be saved. As we said, that's the work that has been done that you might have been saved. It's already done. It's already been finished. You don't need to do anything. There's nothing you can add to it. You just need to come to Christ that you might be saved. And if you are saved, you need to serve him in and through his church. There's no other way to serve him except through the church of the living God. How do you do that? You need to be baptized. You need to be put your lamp upon the lampstand. And you need to serve Christ through his kind of a church. You are not well-pleasing to God outside. And so you need to follow him by faith in doing such. So I pray God will bless his word, brother.